This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. The man with X-ray eyes, Canada's Edgar Casey, Dr. Douglas James Cottrell, will join me in, uh, well, at the bottom of the hour, actually, to discuss a recent remote viewing experiment he and I did on live radio across North America. Now, I don't mean to brag. I really don't. And I think you know me. I'm, I'm not a boastful person. But uh, with regards to this remote viewing experiment, I nailed it. I really did. And Douglas and I will talk about it and how it all went down. And he'll also discuss his battles with Canada's Revenue Agency. Now, if you're listening in from the United States, that's Canada's version of the IRS. Now, before we get rolling, just a friendly reminder that if you want to receive my free monthly newsletter, Inner Sanctum, nothing could be simpler. Just go to my website, Strange Planet. Dot ca strangeplanet.ca and register your email it's really that simple then you'll get the newsletter for free once a month right in your inbox and you'll also be entered into the monthly draw for free strange planet gear t-shirts mugs phone cases and more and speaking of which congratulations to colleen hurley you are October's winner, and I'm sending you a Strange Planet mug. So get on board, go to strangeplanet.ca and register. Do it right now. Now, because it is the second Sunday of the month, our first segment, right out of the gate, we always welcome the founder of Reverse Speech and the co-host of Reverse Speech Radio, David John Oates. David John Oates, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show. Where have I found you? Uh, I'm at, actually in a, a little town called Christmas Valley, which is 200 miles south of Portland, Oregon. I'm in the high desert, right out in the middle of nowhere. So ah. they, yeah. All right. Well, the the uh, Skype connection is good, so we'll pray that it holds. Now, earlier in the week, uh, I sent you some audio clips of our Prime Minister, recently re-elected Prime Minister uh. Justin Trudeau. Uh-huh. And uh, I think I sent you, what, maybe four or five uh, kind of right. Q&A yeah. sessions. They were about four, five, six minutes long. Right. Now, yes. before you play the reversals, and I, I know you're from Australia. You don't, you don't cover or 
uh, follow Canadian politics too closely. Right. But as you're you're looking at Prime Minister Trudeau, his body language, uh, yeah. as you see him speaking forwards, did you have any immediate impressions about him? Uh, well, I'm embarrassed to say. I thought he was very immature. There we go. That's mm. what I thought. Well, don't be embarrassed. A lot of us feel that way. Yeah, that was my immediate impression of him. Um, uh, I think he's way over his head. There you go. That's what I thought. Now, that's that's honest, and I appreciate your candor. When you, because you've been studying this for such a long time, over 30 years, 35 right. years or more, right? Uh, are you able to, let's say, predict the likelihood of, of someone's reverse speech revealing deception just based on their comportment and the way they carry themselves. Yeah, you know what? I'm asked that question quite a lot. Um, um, uh, I've certainly become far more intuitive than what I was when I first started. Uh, I've learned to recognize the subtleties of speech. Um, uh, I wouldn't say that I'm at the level yet where I can uh, just by listening to the forward where I can tell someone's lying or not telling the truth. I've been surprised quite often. I've had an opinion about someone and it's turned out to be is, is uh, not true when I've done the reversal. So, no, I would say I don't have that art mastered yet. What about body language? Oh, that's very interesting. Um, uh, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, actually, uh, well, we've just released a new video software um, that runs videos in reverse, and I am noticing some incredible links with body language, where uh, eye movements or arm movements or facial expressions will tie in precisely with where the reversal occurs. And uh, so I'm going to use that as a tool as I start to experiment more with the video software. All right. So there were so many uh, scandals uh, that that plagued uh, our, our prime minister over the last four years, really, that I, I didn't know even where to begin. But I, I sent you, I think there were three or four different scandals. One involved, and I'm not sure which order we're going to play, but one of it involved the the groping uh, scandal where a, uh, a, a young reporter uh, uh, ale alleged that uh, Trudeau, before he entered uh, politics, had groped her, well, and uh, in a the second one had to do with the SNC Lavalin uh, case, where he was accused of um, of um, ob obstructing justice by putting pressure on the uh, the Minister of Justice. In a, uh, in a case involving this Quebec construction firm, SNC-Lavalin. And uh, then rough. the third one involved, of course, uh, the blackface uh, scandal, the multiple blackface or brownface uh, scandals. There may have been rough. one more, but uh, where did you want to begin? Uh, okay, well, look, uh, the Lavalin one was, uh, I, I mean, I didn't know what any of these were all about. So, you know, like, uh, I, so I just uh, filed them. And uh, so let's look at Laval Lavalin. So here is the forwards. Our, 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 our platform came out weeks ago and it is worked with the, we worked with the, the, uh, the uh, parliamentary budget officer and we have a vision. Okay, so that's good audio forwards. And in reverse, they throw you filth, go sit in it. Wow. <laughs> with the, sit in it. Oh, sorry, they throw you with filth, go sit in it. 
Lift girl, we with the girl sitting here. Oh yeah. Lift girl, we with the girl sitting here. Hear that one? Yes. They they throw you with filth. Go sit in it. What do you think that means? Oh, I think he's in trouble. <laughs> he's 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 made his cake and he's eaten it too. It's been thrown back in his face. And uh, uh, I mean, I, I don't know anything about the case at all, so I'm just just interpreting the reversal. You know, uh, uh, he's getting negative actions thrown at him, and he's sitting in it. He's he's squandering it in it. He's in trouble. Right. And just again, for those maybe not, maybe my American listeners and those not following it too, too closely, uh, what happened was this Quebec uh, construction firm, SNC-Lavalin, uh, they were charged with uh, corruption and bribing some foreign leaders, I think in Libya, actually, uh, in order to get contracts. And uh, so they were being charged here in Canada. And the uh, the decision whether to proceed with these charges, of course, was uh, up to the Minister of Justice. And uh, she had accused Trudeau of pressuring her, of pressuring her, in other words, interfering with a, a case, a court case, not, not to proceed with charges because, well, he claimed that he was worried about uh, protecting jobs, that if they were charged, jo- there would be jobs lost. But that's, you know, that's a, a real ethical uh, criminal violation to obstruct oh, justice, yeah. interfere in a case. So that's what that was about. Okay, okay. so what do we have next, David? Okay, well, here's an isolated reversal I found on him uh, while he's talking French. So here's a little clip of French. Uh, here he says, I think this is in the groping section and he says see the sex see the sex Thursday well and the, the reversal is and unfortunately I, I don't speak French so I don't know what he said in the forward clip but we that was in the batch that I sent you referring to the groping allegation exactly correct yes and the fact that he speaks both uh, French and English. It's not surprising to find an English reversal on the French speaking. Yeah, I've, French. I've never heard you play an example like that. Is that so? That's common. Uh, uh, yeah, fairly common. I've got a few examples of that, which uh, which I can probably pull out if I if I hunt for them really quickly. So but, again, uh, the, re- the the forward speech is in one language, and then when you play the reversal, it's in it, English. It's in another language. It's in English. Yes, and. Uh, uh, you you assume, of course, that they're bilingual, and so that's why you're getting the. Reverse. Oh, I see. Right, because they're thinking. Their subconscious mind is thinking in one language, and they're right. expressing verbally in another. Right. Yeah, that that would appear to be the case. Um, uh, like, and uh, we've got examples, for example, where um, uh, where the reverse will start off in one language and uh, halfway through. Uh, a turn into another language. Uh, like here we here we have been Osama, just off topic, just briefly. Here's Osama bin Laden speaking in Arabic. He was bilingual, of course, or trilingual, and he says in a verse, I will buy you the palace of evil. Oh my, yes, that's pretty clear. I will buy you the palace of evil. 
Yeah, that is pretty clear. I've got another one, and I can't put my hand on the top of my head. Oh, it doesn't matter. I wasn't prepared for that question. So. That's all right. We'll save that one for another time. But it is a fascinating um, area. And one would presume also there would be uh, other reversals in the same language, but you, if you don't speak that language yourself, you wouldn't necessarily be able to catch those. Exactly correct. That was a half an hour speech by Bin Laden, and that was the one reversal I found. Doesn't mean there was only one there, but that's the only one in English. You know, if the reversals in Arabic, of course, would mean nothing to me. So, uh, so I'm going to bypass them. How so. many? When I sent you those uh, Trudeau clips, yeah. uh, and I'm not sure there may have been what twenty minutes worth of forward speech there. Right. Yeah, well, the, the, the trouble was the last. Two or three only had little snippets, like little uh, 15, 20 second snippets of Trudeau talking, which makes it a bit difficult. Right, and because you you, t- you need to talk for about eight seconds before you get a, a, a reversal? Especially when you're talking about media. Uh, with media reversals, uh, you get a lot less in eight seconds. They'll drop down to once every minute, for example. Oh, why is that? Uh, because you're primarily left brain, and the more right brain you are in your speech, uh, the more reversals will appear. If someone is very emotional or very relaxed or caught off guard, uh, is, it, is the type of place you'll find the best reversals. But if someone's reading a prepared speech or they've got a, a subtext running in their mind and they're just repeating the standard line over and over again, you won't get many reversals. Oh, that's interesting. And yes, Trudeau is sort of the master, if I can use that term. He's not a master of much, but of of uttering prefab prepared statements, uh, because this is not someone who is really capable of thinking on his feet. So that would make sense. All right. So, yeah. But the best one I got, the the best reversals on, I got the five reversals in the very first clip you sent me uh, where he was talking off guard. And unfortunately, the audio wasn't the best in the fours, but I got some great reversals. And was this, this was about the blackface scandal or what was it about? Do you you remember? Uh, I think that's about the blackface scandal. Okay, okay so let's play one one of those. Uh, well, we'll start off with a funny one. This is not necessarily in order. Okay, so here's the reporter. The reporter's quite aggressive towards him, okay? Are you thinking Americans had come out with one of these photos during the campaign? Would an apology have been enough for you to allow them to stay? Uh, we would make that decision on a case-by-case basis. We will make that decision on a case-by-case basis, and he says, this is goddamn believer. So he's frustrated at the reporter. She's a believer in the scandal. Ah, okay. All right. So, so that's funny. So, uh, uh, and here we have another one. Um, okay. So again, he's speaking French again. Speaking in French, right. And this first actually quite clear. Uh, they see my pain. Hear that? Right. Yeah, they see my pain. So it sounds like he's saying that the reporters, he thinks he's won them over. They're sympathetic? I think so. Yes, I think so. And then the next one is this is goddamn believer. He's frustrated with the next reporter's question because she's um, aggressive or anti his position, if you know what I mean. Yes. 
Yeah, all right, okay. So um, oh, here we have, I think this is from the scroping scandal. Let's just play it forwards. This would be calls for important conversations with all those candidates and uh, real staking, taking stock in the path forward. And I'm having conversations with, with uh, my colleagues, with fellow candidates, and I'm going to be continuing to having conversations with Canadians about this and about many other things. Okay, so he's saying he's going to continue working for Canadian. Oh, yeah, a whole, he's saying a whole lot of nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but interesting reversal, I'd manage the kingdom. Oh, that's hard to hear. Oh, that's not a good one. Let's play that again. I can hear kingdom. I heard kingdom. Yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunately it's uh, it's uh, not a uh, best reversal in the world because the audio is so bad on that one. Sorry, I manage but... the kingdom. What do you yeah. suppose that means? Oh, I think he sees himself as a bit of a egocentric sort of guy. He's running the show. I'd manage the kingdom. He sees Canada as a kingdom and he's a ruler. Right, I mean, right. That's what I gather, that he, he thinks he's entitled to, and right? he, to refer to as a kingdom, he imagines himself as royalty. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like the verse I played on your show when the other day. Uh, I'm, an, I'm an ass. I can't pull that up at the top of my head. So, yeah. Right. But nothing so, here, what's interesting to me, what stands out so far to me, is that there's nothing overtly deceptive. No. Uh, what it is, is it's just confirming, I think, what many of us have suspected as, A, he's an egoist, uh, yeah. uh, B, there's an arrogance there. Uh, but there's, yeah. there's no, there's nothing overtly deceptive, at least not yet. No, well, I was looking for it and I didn't find it. And uh, what we're seeing here is more of his reaction to the accusations, more of, you know, they see my pain. This is a goddamn believer, okay? They throw you filth, go sit in it. And it's more like, huh. actually, now you mention it, they're actually very egocentric reversals. They're more about how it's affecting him and how he's being affected by all of this scandal. And there's a sense of unjustness about it. He feels unjustly accused. Hmm. Does, does that make sense? It does. It does. And it is it it, it, um, it coincides, uh, yeah, with with what I've seen and heard from uh, our young boy king, as we call him. Uh, all right. Uh, <laughs> well, there you go. I'd manage the kingdom. Our young boy king. <laughs> yes. Yes. Do we have another? Uh, yeah, I've got one more, uh, which uses a uh, metaphor that I've heard occasionally, but I don't know what it means, so we'll leave on a question mark. So, we're, so here we go. It was a dumb thing to do. I'm disappointed in myself. I'm pissed off at myself for having done it. I wish I hadn't done it, but I did it. Okay, he's talking about the uh, black, black face. Yes. Dumb to do. Uh, a, a very bizarre reversal, and I'd never have fussed down the faucet. And I'd never have fussed down the faucet. Clear. It is. There it is. I've never flushed down the faucet. I, I'd never have fussed. Oh, you heard flushed down the faucet. Hang on. Oh, it is flushed. I'll be bothered. Gee, maybe you're thinking he didn't throw this um, stuff away. He didn't flush right. It away. I can't, in other words, uh, forward. 
actually his forward speech there is probably one of the more genuine, heartfelt uh, things I've ever heard him say. Uh, it wasn't canned and prefabbed. It sounded like he was being earnest and speaking from the heart. One of the few times I've ever heard him utter anything even remotely genuine. Uh, but that backward, that reverse speech, that is a metaphor you're saying. So, yeah, I think he's. I think what he's saying, I can't get rid of this sh. I can't get rid of it. Right. I never flush it away. It's it's there. To, it's there how, hounding me. Um, Anyway, there you go. Metaphors get cryptic sometimes, and uh, there's some of the cryptic ones. I uh, try to uh, keep them off the air, the real cryptic ones, but uh, but I found well, the ones it, it is what it is. Um, and how long, when I sent you those tapes, and again, 20 minutes worth of clips perhaps, how long did, did it take you to uncover these reversals? Do they jump out at you, or do you have to play them again um, and again? No, it was fairly easy. I did it this morning. Uh, I probably spent about two, three hours on it. So that's not too bad for the number of clips you sent me. That's about average. Hmm. So yeah. something I've learned then today is the the press conference or a Q&A type or prepared statements are, are not fertile ground for reversals. No, they're not. No, they're really not. Very, very frustrating. Um, you know, look, the, the the best reversals in the world are in my private session tapes, and they're the ones I can't use, you know, and that's right. 90% of sand of my work. And uh, they are just amazing. You know, we'll, we'll, look, we'll send a show on some of the ones I can share, okay? And uh, uh, you will be amazed at what we find out during session work. These are from your clients. From my client files, yes. All right. Okay, so in the meantime, we have Reverse Speech Radio, this new podcast. Uh, and I, I guess you've been on a bit of a hiatus because you've been traveling yep. and you had the we had the Reverse Speech event here in Toronto. Uh, uh-huh. But that'll be picking up soon, I presume. And uh, once again, new episodes will be dropping on Thursdays. People can go to reversespeech.ca, reversespeech.ca, or... Reverse speech dot, uh, sorry, reverse speech radio dot libsyn dot com. Yes, yes. And our listenership is growing all the time. People are loving the show. So uh, tune in. Find the latest about reverse speech. Fantastic. We'll talk again next month. Safe travels, David. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. I appreciate it. Okay. All right, Canada's Edgar Casey, the man with X-ray eyes, Dr. Douglas James Cottrell is next. Stay tuned. Don't be afraid of the dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Douglas James Cottrell is best known as a trans clairvoyant. He's a spiritual healer, teacher, published author who demonstrates many abilities studied by noetic sciences, including clairvoyance, telepathy, energy healing, remote viewing, prediction, and prophecy. He's one of a select few to demonstrate all of these abilities and even fewer who are considered a reliable information source. He teaches people the world over about spiritual development through the practice of meditation and the application of spiritual principles in daily life. Douglas James Cottrell, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show. How are you, my friend? 
It's always a pleasure to be back with you, my friend. Uh, I always enjoy your company and indeed doing your show. Likewise. We just spoke recently on Coast to Coast, which is my other job, if you will. And uh, we conducted what I thought, Douglas, was a pretty remarkable remote viewing experiment. Explain uh, to my listeners who maybe didn't have a chance to catch us on Coast recently in October, what happened? Well, we've been doing experiments on air. I don't think anyone else actually does that, uh, attempting to show that that the human consciousness is uh, such that we can see uh, an object at a distance. And that topic, or that I guess that that topic or or area has been exploited by military people, and it's been assigned the name remote viewing. In other parts uh, of the intuition world, that would be called clairvoyance, uh, mind projection, that kind of thing. So what you were able to do as we experimented with the audience was to have a mystery object put on my desk, uh, unbeknownst to you what the object was, uh, as well as the audience. And in previous uh, times we've done this, I think we've done about five times, you've been remarkably accurate at uh, seeing without seeing the object with your, your physical eyes, you've been able to see the object in your mind, in your intuitive mind, with the shape, the color, and on occasion, you've been very close in, des- in describing and coming to conclusion what the object was. In this last show on Coast to Coast, you actually named the object. Mm. For people who were who would like to know more about this, how you came to that, if they listen to that segment of Coast to Coast, they'll see you as I did, or they'll listen to you more exactly, how your mind was going all around the object. When we teach people to remote view, going into a state of, of meditation I call quantum meditation, which is basically into a light state of meditation, which you probably were in an alpha state, you're able to see shapes, colors, little teeny bits of detail that your attention is drawn to. And part of the uh, uh, ability is to take those little bits, those those items where your attention is being drawn, and then expand on it and sort of develop the picture in your mind's eye. People listening to that show in which uh, you correctly identified the object, they can see the process literally moment by moment developing as you came to the conclusion to identify that mysterious object. Right. And again, they can go to coasttocoastam.com. And I'm trying to remember the date that we, it was in October. Do you actually, actually remember the date? <laughs> yeah, I know. Time goes by real fast. I think it was, that uh, was it not Sunday the 27th, something yeah, like that. That makes sense. It was in and around the 27th of October. So for those uh, people that are part of the Insiders Club at Coast, they can go back and listen. Uh, otherwise, join the Insiders Club at Coast and, and have a listen. And also, I think the photo is probably still posted there. So pe- so people understand, you were sitting in your uh, your office in London, Ontario, way down the, uh, the 401, or the 403, rather. And I was sitting in a studio, in t- a radio studio in Toronto. And you had sent a photo of the object that was on your desk to my producer at Coast, the webmaster at Coast, because he was instructed to post the picture immediately after we we revealed what the object was. Only they knew, and you knew. And um, so I had a, a, a pad of paper and a pencil in hand. While I'm c- conducting a live radio show, 
So uh, that was a little a bit of a challenge, however. And then the listeners were also invited to follow along with your, your instructions and protocol. And then they called in with their impressions of what the object might be. And, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And some of them were very close, but as I, as I started off to say, uh, during the show is that it's not important that you see the object like it was a butterfly in a box. We're not looking for that. We're looking for the shapes, uh, the colors, some some detail in the object and if people listen to you i'm sure when you were sketching it down that helped you form or come to the conclusion and actually see the object in your mind's eye but many of the listeners were uh, very close one lady didn't see the object exactly as it was but she saw it as something else that looking from the object straight on it would appear exactly the way she described it. You saw the object from the side and then from the front a little bit and then from the top and then from the back and you kept describing the various parts of the object. And again, people listening to this, they'll get some hints on how to use remote viewing because it's not a snapshot. It's not a, uh, it's not a picture that you can develop by like a, a snapshot. It is a process using the contemplative mind, or what I like to call the middle mind. And that's the mind that makes up the intuitive abilities of clairvoyance, clairessence, clairaudience, um, premonition, precognition, telepathy, etc., etc. And so in this process of teaching people how to develop their intuition, the first thing, of course, is to get over the doubt. You're a really smart man. And the audience are really smart. And to say to yourself, how can I see something that for some of these people that are calling in from California and Florida, all across the continent, how can they see that far away an object sitting on my desk here in London, Ontario? Yet they did. They saw a certain shape. They saw a certain color. And if people listen to the show, this was a straight up show. There was no, you know, no collusion on my part. There was no um assistance as a matter of fact i think it was me that came up a show or two ago that said why don't we take a picture of the object and then post it while the show is still on so that people out there in the audience can actually see uh compare rather to what they were seeing in their intuitive mind and in previous shows you did remarkably well but this last show was the uh uh uh, um, there's a French term for something that says uh, the denouement. The denouement. <laughs> I, w- <laughs> quite frankly, I was floored. You, you did very I w- well. I well, uh, thank you. Uh, I was floored. Uh, walking on air, I think is the term I used because I. Just so again, if people don't have a chance to listen, my the first impressions that came to me were off. To be in all uh, in, in all candor, I, I I was seeing something a very kind of a a light pink or a salmon color and then you said no and then you explained to me that i was that i was probably seeing the because your computer was also on the desk and it was open to your web page and the background was kind of that color and you then sent that photo a picture of a, a screen uh, picture 
of your your website to my uh, producer and saying, this is what Richard was probably looking at. Because I was off. I wasn't looking at the object. I was looking, apparently, on your computer screen. And well, then, remember, the, yeah. I, w- I wouldn't say that you were off. You were, your vision, when you start, you know, you sort of come, it's like being up close and your peripheral vision can see things. And, and the object was literally a few inches away from my screen. So I wanted to give that support that you were actually visiting my website. And people go to my website, douglasjamescottrell.com, they'll see that salmon brownish color that you were looking at. So it, it wasn't that you were off. Is that you were your attention was being drawn, if you will, naturally towards the illuminated screen, right? Even though the object was well lit in front of it, but and, then you yeah. you kind of shifted that all by yourself onto the object. Well, then the, the next thing that came to me was an arch, and uh, then from there it developed, in a, and I began to see a metallic or a shiny uh, silver object, and then from there. I, uh, for some reason, this wasn't a remote viewing thing necessarily, but something came into my head that when I was saying salmon color, it was like, no, not a salmon color. It looks like a salmon. It looks like a fish. And then, so I said, it's a, it's elongated. It's silver. It's the arch looks like it could be a fin or a tail. And then, um, I started to, as I stepped back and started to see more, I said, no, it's not a fish. It's an airplane. That's the tail section of an airplane. And voila, there it was. Well, if you look at it, when people go to see that picture on the Coast to Coast website, they'll see that it is long. And if you look at it directly on the side, just you know, horizontally looking at the side, they'll see that the arch that you went on and on about, because that came to your attention first, and you said it actually looks like an arch like in St. Louis. And it did. And I'm thinking, oh, Spirit of St. Louis, you know, here we go with with uh, Emil Hartz, you know, <laughs> he's getting close, you know. <laughs> that is me thinking, you know, without saying anything out loud, but I, the arch looks exactly like that, the stand that this model airplane on, which is about 12 or 14 inches across wingspan. It looked exactly like one half of the arch, and I think you actually said that. It was an arch, definitely, but then you got into it, as you said, you you thought it was a fish because you were seeing the outline of the plane. If you look, you know, without without looking above or below the wing, if you look straight at the side of the plane, you'll see that the tail section and the other part of the plane, including the nose of the plane, could be mistaken for the outline of a fish. All right, well... Sand. We'll take a quick time out. We'll come back and continue to discuss a remote viewing, how to become a remote viewer right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Follow the truth. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Douglas James Cottrell is here. Canada's Edgar Casey, the man with X-ray eyes. And we were earlier discussing our rather successful remote viewing experiment on Coast to Coast AM. And uh, if people want to learn and, and discover uh, how this can be done, how they can learn this, you have a, a rather extensive course coming up in Texas in January. Uh, tell us about that. Well, um, I would think it's... Uh, um First of all, it's a course that encompasses many of the intuitive abilities or gifts. 
I don't teach from an esoteric perspective. I teach from an experiential one, which means that I teach people uh, how I taught myself with hands-on, uh, you know, basically by experience, and that has great value. There are many people out there in the world who are talking about remote viewing and um, deep trance meditation or clairvoyance or spiritual development. In this course, uh, over the years that we've done, we've we've uh, uh, whittled it down to nine days. And in those nine days, it's like nine weeks. And there are other people who teach uh, similar things, but of course not in the same way I do. And it takes months or, or even years that they have people go through a, a, a development course. In this, in this course, in nine days, we talk about all these building uh, blocks and steps to take including what it's like to be out there in the great beyond, in the Akashic field, what it's like to overcome uh, that doubt and fear and anxiety that, are you really doing this, or is this your imagination? Many of the people who take the course, I might add, have been everywhere else. And when they take this course, they found that it's fleshed out, it's full, it's dynamite, it's packed full of everything that they've been that have been has been alluded to or that they've thought about but i explain it and then i demonstrate it and while people are there i also do a little energy work on their pineal gland to enhance their intuitive skills or abilities but like you you've been a student so to speak and and several radio shows and you were able to just a few weeks ago on the Coast to Coast show, correctly identify and see and allow the manifestation of an intuitive image to come to the manifestation of exactly what it was. And that is a profound, profound ability that was already there. I just helped you discover how to get through the layers of the onion, so to speak, into through the through the intellect, through the the rational mind that says this can't happen, to that point where the intuition says here I am, and when you unlock that door, which is what we do at the course, the people are uh, profoundly uh, amazed at how it was always there. I had a physician come from Japan who took the, took the course a few years ago, and at the end he thanked me because he said you're the first one that ever told me that the imagination and the things that come into my mind are important that help me lead to being able to see. And this man had been all over the world. He was a physician. He was on a mission to find out how to develop his intuition to do exactly remote viewing, if you will, inside a person's body. And at the end of the course, he was able to do it. And again, it's because I do it. It's because I know how the mind works. And it's because when we went on the show and I was encouraging, but I didn't uh, foretell or hint anything to you or the audience that people from as far away as California were able to see the shape of the airplane and they saw it as a bubble or a bulge. That was the cockpit on the top of the plane. Somebody saw the picture or the color. Somebody saw the props and described it as a helicopter. So I know how the mind works and that's how I'm able to in an expeditious way, teach people how to do what Edgar Casey did, okay, what so, Ross Peterson did. So give us the detail. Uh, give us the details, Douglas, uh, for the course. It's happening in Fort Worth, Texas. Well, basically, it's January uh, 17th to the 25th 
It's 2020. It's in Fort Worth. Uh, meals are included. The hotels uh, reduced 25% or so. And they just go to my website, douglasjamescottrell.com, and it's in the top banner. It's called Mastering Your Intuition Program. There is a lot in the program. We are there from 10 in the morning till 5 and at night in the class, and then we talk after. And personal attention is given, and it's a small class. There aren't hundreds of people here. There might be anywhere between 14 and 20 people, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. But everybody has attended the course. We can give people references if they want to call previous students. January the 17th to 25th, Fort Worth, Texas. And we just have about 20 seconds here. Uh, so w- will part of the instruction include your, your, your have uh, an object that they have to remote view and, and, uh, just like we did on coast to coast? Good question. At the end of the course, you, uh, the student will graduate by being able to remote view or through quantum meditation clairvoyantly see the physical conditions in somebody's body that is miles and miles away that they've never met and they don't know a thing about. And only then do they graduate. And everyone that's taken the course graduates because there's a prerequisite. I interview them ahead of time to make sure they have the intuitive skills, the visionary skills to go ahead with the course. And that's why we have 100% graduation. And everybody is able to see just like you did the airplane in the same manner and in the same way. They're able to see inside somebody's body hundreds of miles away they've never met and they don't know a thing about. All right. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show right after this. Stay with us. The truth is not out there. It's right here. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. We are back with Dr. Douglas James Cottrell. And I want to shift gears here a little bit. Um, you have a, um, a church in, uh, in Hamilton Beach, not too far from where I'm sitting. And, uh, it is, it's a Christian uh, church. You, you, you have services there. Uh, recently, well, not, this goes back actually a few years. You were targeted by the, CRA, that's uh, Canada's Revenue Agency, so that's like our equivalent of the IRS. Uh, they were questioning your, or challenging your charitable status as a Christian institution. Tell me what's happening there. Well, it's a long, uh, sad, uh, horrific story that is unbelievable on the, on the face of it uh, for most people to say, here in Canada that we have the Charter of Rights and Freedoms that guarantees religious freedom of worship and assembly. And through our experience, and this is not by far singular to the Many Mansions Spiritual Center, it is, I guess, for the last, since 2012, uh, small um, organizations, religious groups, have been targeted, which is a good word, in my opinion, by CRA. And CRA has developed uh, for those nonprofit incorporated organizations that happen to have charitable status. They have targeted them and deregulated them by something they invented, in my opinion, and that was revocation by audit. Revocation by audit. Again, it's unbelievable 
but uh, as a matter of court records uh, that are in the public domain, uh, both in the in the CRA domain uh, in the federal court and now in the Supreme Court, uh, what I'm about to say is factual. It's not inflammatory, and it's uh, uh, I'm trying to be as, as level minded as I can. We had an auditor come into our church on the pretense that it was a random audit. He did not speak to the members of the board of directors. He only spoke to myself. He deceived me by saying that he was just going to come in and do a routine audit. And our charitable organization, I was able to raise funds to buy the Mini Mansion Spiritual Center located at 180 Beach Boulevard in Hamilton, Ontario, which is right down on the beach. It's a very beautiful property. Um, uh, a very wealthy um, family donated the money, and we bought the building and then incorporated as a nonprofit organization. The, or, the corporation owns the, the building, the property, the assets. No money was ever paid to myself. As a matter of fact, no money was paid to any director or member. But the auditor came in and under the pretense that since we weren't really open yet, we were still under renovation and construction, he conducted what he called an audit. It was not an audit. Uh, we called up the, um, we called up the official organization that does uh, the audits, uh, auditors and uh, accountants, uh, the TCA association, I believe it's called. And their opinion was that he did not conduct an audit. As it turned out, it was already in his mind that we should never have received charitable status. Uh, the man belonged to uh, a large church, I won't say the name, and he sat on the Board of Governors. And as we did a search on the Internet, we found out he also included in his title as a member of the Board of Governors as a auditor for the CRA, which we think was very unusual to start with just to, However, just so i can move, yeah i just want to move it along quickly so that people understand he basically it, 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 uh, determined on his own that your your church wasn't christian enough in his mind because he, you know as you've discussed on the show before uh you know uh ufo's and he saw books pertaining to edgar casey and uh well that's a, that's a good point Richard. Yeah. what they basically said is that we were teaching yoga which was a uh, Buddhist religious um, practice, and it was non-Christian. Uh, they determined that our spiritual healing or laying on of hands was not Christian, uh, that we were teaching energy work and doing classes and meditation. They were not Christian. But uh, I, I sort of got off on the track a little bit, but because of his religious fundamentalist perspectives, uh, basically they made up five um, reasons why we should be deregulated. And although we were given a 90-day um, uh, time to um, to object or, or, I guess, appeal the auditor's decision, 47 days later, somebody in CRA uh, wrote a letter and deregulated the charity. Again, they never talked to the, to the owners of the corporation, the directors, they never spoke to anyone else other than myself. And in, in, uh, in documents that came along, it showed that the man had said prior to even seeing us coming down to the center that we should never have been a regular, never should have been given charitable status. So by revoking, no. by revoking your charitable status, that meant that automatically there were back taxes due on the, uh, the church property. 
No, not quite, no? Richard. Uh, no, the corporation remarkably is allowed to function as a nonprofit. The charitable designation was removed, which meant that we couldn't defend ourselves financially. We couldn't raise money. Our insurance was canceled because we were now deregulated. And a whole lot of other bad things were, were happening to us because they printed the deregulation in the Canadian Gazette, which uh, shows deregulation any kind of reason. So we, we appealed it. This was outrageous. How could they do that? And we ended up going to federal court. And when we got to the Federal Court of Appeal, which cost thousands of dollars, something pretty close to $90,000, we had to borrow money against the property. We put a mortgage on the building. When we got to the court, uh, which was back in, in uh, June, end of June, the Federal Court of Appeal didn't care what the auditor had to say at all. The Federal Court of Appeal basically upheld the decision of deregulation, even though there were all kinds of peculiarities, although, although there were all kinds of irregularities, and including that this man had said in his report that our, our spiritual release, he made this up, and I'm about to say this, it's in writing, he said this, he wrote this, that our spiritual beliefs were based on an entire civilization uh, I'm sorry, an entire series of books written by a civilization of extraterrestrials. Hmm. We we could not believe that an official of the Canadian government would say such felonious things that were completely untrue. Apparently, he did a search on Google, and he found that the law of one, because we practice the law of one, the law of gratitude, et cetera, et cetera, and that all our spiritual beliefs are based on the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, and it talks about the law of one in that the body has many parts, but it's only one body, that we are basically Christian Christians, if you will, following in the teachings of Christ. This man had the audacity to say that our teachings were based on books written by extraterrestrials. Of course, the joke around the center was that when we get to the Federal Court of Appeal, uh, whoever that lawyer is, is going to stand up in front of the judge and say, yes, uh, these these people believe in extraterrestrial teachings and, and religious books from extraterrestrials, that we would... It wasn't. It was accepted as fact. Oh, dear Lord. Okay, so we're just about out of time here. But um, So you're taking this, hopefully, to the Supreme Court of Canada to challenge this, and you've, uh, you're in, in, in dire straits here because, uh, you know, this is a, you know, you're spending, you're borrowing money in order to, to, to pay court costs. Uh, so how can people help? Uh, we have a GoFundMe page now. Uh, we're appearing to the federal court, uh, sorry, to the Supreme Court of Canada, and we're uh, defining that we do have freedom of religion after all on two points. One, that the government does not have the right to decide who is Christian enough or if they are sincere in their religious points of view. And that's why we're going to the Supreme Court. This will benefit any, any people of faith, any other uh, church that's not fundamentalist, uh, and as, as this is a, a deed that God has put in front of us. It's our honor and privilege to go all the way. But yes, uh, it's going to be another, it's going to be $300,000 in legal fees by the time we finish up next year. And it's gofundme.com, search many mansions, and you'll see it uh, laid out there. 
GoFundMe.com, search many mansions. That's the place to contribute. And we'll, we can give you lawyers' uh, contact numbers. You can search the records online to see that this is a, a legitimate request for help. Douglas James Cottrell stays with us into hour two right here on The Conspiracy Show. Live from Toronto, Canada, Earth, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. Thanks for inviting me into your home. Long haul truck, RV, camper, taxi. Your parents' well-appointed rec room with the simulated wood paneling, electric fireplace, and the painting of dogs playing poker. Hello to everyone listening in on our flagship station, Zoomer Radio, AM 740, 96.7 FM here in Toronto. And those of you streaming us on our YouTube channel, Strange Planet, or streaming us at zoomerradio.ca. However and wherever you're listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes, and I thank you for your fine company. Next week on the program, Hour One. We'll talk JFK as we approach the, my gosh, the 56th, 56th anniversary of the uh, assassination of John F. Kennedy. And uh, assassination researcher James D. Eugenio uh, will be here. Hour two, we'll discuss the miracle molecule Carbon 60 with the owner of SES Research, Chris Burris. And Carbon 60 has been shown in a peer-reviewed study, a mammal study, to double the lifespan of rats. Uh, Canada's Edgar Casey and the last of the sleeping prophets, Dr. Douglas James Cottrell, stays with us this hour. Douglas, let's talk about some recent visions you, you may have had. Uh, can we start with Earth changes? What do you see? I wrote the book, uh, The New Earth, and prior to that book, it was uh, beyond 2012. We're talking about this global warming and years ago, you and I talked on your show in Toronto, CFRB, uh, where I had a vision that the Earth's core was turning at a different speed than the Earth's crust, which meant there was going to be uh, a lot of heat. And I had predicted at that point that the oceans were going to go up to three or four degrees. One is really bad. One degree above current um, or normal is bad. Two is disastrous, and, and four degrees is absolutely horrendous. And that's where we are now. Scientists came along after the fact, uh, sorry, after I was on the show stating my vision uh, and had, had divulged those facts that we're headed this way. So where are we right now? The earth is wobbling. The ice caps are melting because the planet is being superheated from within. We're going to see more volcanic eruptions. We're going to see more earthquakes. Certainly the oceans are heating up and we're seeing all kinds of, of hurricanes and cyclones and tsunami and all the things that the water, because of its being superheated, is causing these disturbances of weather. And as such, you know, in a physical way, it's going to get worse. As we see the countdown to really huge disasters happening where the west coast from alaska down to anything west of the rockies is going to suffer in north america to the flooding of uh, africa the continent shrinking i think i've said that on your show as well it's in my book as well that the the reason that i saw africa shrink and it was not known to me until sometime later 
was that there is a plain all around the outside of the continent of Africa that should the ocean rise up three meters, it's going to flood that plain, which would, from an overview looking down at Africa, you would see the continent shrink. Things in the Middle East, there will be a firestorm underground that's going to come. Uh, we're going to see more and more um, flooding of the Mediterranean. Matter of fact, the Spanish government, uh, when I was there in 2011, I was interviewed in the Antar magazine, and I had predicted that San Sebastian in the north would be flooding, and it is, and that the um, entire, in Barcelona, there would be two lakes that would uh, bracket the city. There are two rivers there uh, now that are flooding, and they will make lakes, which I had seen, and I had never been to Barcelona before. And, of course, the uh, political climate, when I was in that inter interview or being interviewed, I said that in the future there was going to be riots and banking failures and other problems in Spain, to which uh, a lady in the know, who was an attorney, said, Douglas, Spain is such a stable country. What you are saying is impossible. Well, now we know that the Catalan people are trying to separate uh, from uh, main, right. the mainland of Spain. We know that the flooding warnings are out there, that the... The heat is uh, enormous, that the sands uh, from the deserts of Africa are coming into Spain because of the droughts in, in Africa. Well, I'd also said that Africa was going to be an enormous um, um, economic... Um, uh, Before we get in, I don't want to get into economy yet. I don't want to get to the economy yet. I want to save that for a moment. I just want to come back to something about the, you know, the oceans heating up. So let's be clear about what you're saying. I'm on the record. I've been pretty clear. I don't believe in, in man-made, uh, global warming. Uh, but so you're saying that this, any, any events that we're seeing, these are not man-made. This is a natural event re based on the mantle spinning at a different rate than the inner core causing friction. So there's nothing man-made here. This is not fossil fuels putting more CO2 into the atmosphere. This is, this is the earth heating up basically from within. That's right. And I, I saw that, I guess it's been 20 years ago. I was when you were at CFRB, we started that. And I have said this over and over and, and the book was written in 2011. So that's, uh, you know, eight years ago and plus the time to make the book. We've never seen it as carbon in the air, um, you know, aerosol, uh, freon gas in the, in the air, which caused that uh, big hole over the south, uh, south pole. Never seen that as, as being, you know, the cause. It's been, maybe they're contributing factors. Got to admit that with all the planes and cars we have going, we've, we've helped to heat up the air. But the real problem from my perspective is as, as an intuitive person seeing clairvoyantly, remote viewing, if you will, in a dream vision, I saw that the earth core was heating up because it was spinning at a slower or different speed than the crust. Some scientists have come out and said that's a natural natural occurrence. I don't believe it is. I believe that my attention was drawn to it because something had shifted. As you go online, you'll see that there are four. Somebody has, has done some sort of mapping uh, in the Earth, and there are four channels. And there is it's like veins or arteries in the body uh, that, that go through the mantle. And where these... Um, areas come close to the surface where there are major fault lines and earthquakes. So to answer your question, I do not believe this is a man-made uh, problem and it cannot be handled by restricting, you know, uh, man-made gases or chemicals. It's got something to do that this is a natural occurrence that our planet is now coming to a point where it's going to 
have a crisis, it's going to change, which it has done several times in the past. Edgar Casey has said there was at least four, if not five, other catastrophes in the world where society has had to start all over again. And I think that's where we're at now. Mm. Um, in terms you know, of... The, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say the predictions of other people from Bill Scallion to Ross Peterson to Edgar Casey. Um, I have seen the coastlines flooded. I have predicted things, you know, in the last two decades that are now actually happening. So by virtue of saying if what I predicted 10, 20 years ago, and even more recently, three to four or five years ago is happening, then there's a good chance that what else I've said is going to happen. In other words, I've said things, they are happening, and some of the things that I've said have not happened. The probability is that they're going to happen. And part of that is global flooding. There are going to be land masses come up in the Bering Strait. There's going to be a land mass come up off the coast of Argentina. Uh, you know, Casey often talked about Atlantis rising. Well, we know that there, there are land masses that are just below the surface that are popping up. There are underground volcanoes that are making new land or continents, you know, and that's where's that water being displaced? Well, it can only go up. But the heat from the Earth's core is being, from the bowels of the Earth, from those deep channels, is being transferred into the oceans, and the oceans are heating up, in which we're going to have terrible loss of of creatures and fish in, in the ocean, which is going to put the world into, in some places in the world that depend on the ocean, it's going to put them into great difficulties. But now, uh, how, to answer your question yeah. directly, you're, this is not a man-made problem. Okay, but uh, you, you mentioned formations coming up out of the sea, but um, just trying to understand, how would that work if the ocean levels are rising? Which, I mean, this, maybe this will happen in the future, but there was certainly... It's happening now, Richard. Well, it's happening now. If you I don't take know. Your, if, you, if you take a, a, let's say, you have a bucket of water, and you take your fist, and you put your fist in the water, what happens to the surface? It goes up. Because the fist, your hand, has displaced exactly the same amount of water that, mm. that your fist is. Well, if the earth buckles and a new ridge comes up, like the Rocky Mountains, like the Appalachians, like in, in Switzerland, uh, scientists over the years have come to the conclusion that mountains are formed by the tectonic plates crushing together and forcing one way up in the air until you know the, the height of, uh, of the highest mountains used to be flat. And if that happens again, where the earth buckles, and a land mass comes up, where does that water go? It's not going to evaporate. It's not going to, um, you know, go into the atmosphere. It's going to, it's going to go up. It's going to flood the coast. Well, all the, on, all the underlying areas, including uh, Louisiana, uh, and and uh, Ross Peterson was highly specific on that. You can listen to some of his tapes. He was talking about dikes being built, and and it was going to be flooded, and the delta was going to disappear. Florida. Again, that's at sea level. Anything that's close to sea level is, if any kind of shift anywhere of any magnitude is going to cause the coastlines of um, many of the continents to, to change.
again, I don't discount the possibility of that happening in the future, but I want to be clear from everything I have read and known, because we hear this a lot from the climate change people that, in fact, I was at a high school open house last night uh, with my boys who were, uh, were shopping for a high school and we went into the geography classroom and they had the posters there about uh, 56 islands or, you know, are about to disappear. And the idea that ocean levels are rising, they have been rising since the last ice or the end of the last ice age. It's been rising at a steady rate, in fact, since the middle of the 19th century. Something like, well, it's less than three millimeters per year, every year, since like the Civil War. So there's absolutely no indication of an extraordinary rise in sea level in 150 years. None. However, I'm not discounting what you're saying, that at some point in the future, some some unforeseen situation could cause the ocean levels to rise. But I don't see it happening now. It's just not there. Well. I know, but it is. Uh, the people in Spain have been warned by the government that the Mediterranean is going to rise between 5 and 15 meters. Uh, San Sebastian, the uh, oceans are creeping up. Uh, there are people in Florida that are complaining that somebody should have foresight to see that the, 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 their backyards are flooded with their boats. Uh, Lake Ontario, if you go down to uh, Center Island and you go uh, to even along the lakeshore, uh, it's high and the lakes are high, not because it's running off and that the lakes are filling up, but because the whole continent and the, and the water, the water's got to run out somewhere. I mean, Casey predicted, as did Ross Peterson, that Niagara Falls is going to run backwards. Why, w- why would they say something like that? Well, if the water rises, uh, levels rise in uh, the ocean, the St. Lawrence is going to run the opposite way, which is going to fill up Lake Ontario with salt water, Lake Erie, which is a very low lake, and Niagara Falls will actually run backwards. And then, of course, the, the big thing is, where is that water going to go? It's going to go down the Mississippi. It's going to go down Lake Michigan and hit to the Mississippi, which many other seers have said. But it's happening right now, Richard. It's not incremental. Uh, if, if For those who are looking around, it's... Uh, our lakes are, are swelling and the coastlines are shrinking and people are preparing for governments are already saying things like, you know, we're going to lose a uh, coastline. And it's, it's out there. I understand the point of view and I'm not an alarmist and I'm a realist as well, but this is where it's happening right now. We have more volcanic activity than any other time. We have more earthquakes than any other time and we have more uh, weather problems with uh, tornadoes and hurricanes and cyclones going in. I mean, across the, I had predicted that there would be um, hurricanes going east and west of, of uh, Florida in the last couple of years. I predicted sunspots uh, where activity was going to increase. The sun uh, has actually changed poles north to south, south to north. So there are all these things that are happening now, but it doesn't appear like it's you, know, you and I are sitting in our houses. We're doing okay. We go down to the lake, but the people who are close to these places that are seeing that the lake is coming up, it's threatening Lake Ontario, the Great Lakes, but also the oceans along the shores. So, uh, is this going to take another generation? No, this is happening in the next you know present ten, fifteen years, maybe you know less, maybe a little more. But the volcanic activity, Casey's time clock was that when you see Mount uh, Everest and 
and Mount Vesuvius erupting. That's kind of the countdown. There's something going to happen in Japan, and something is going to happen to the west coast of California. So there is a time clock out there. Uh, it's happening now. All right. Let's talk about the uh, uh, geopolitical scene. You sort of hinted uh, at, well, we've seen unrest not only in Spain, we're seeing it in France. Uh, we are England, seeing it in, America, in, in, in yeah, England. Everywhere. Sure. It's, uh, so what, uh, what other hotspots right now do you see maybe that aren't even on the, the radar, but they might just pop up out of nowhere? Well, the Middle East has always been a, a, a tinderbox, uh, Casey referred to it as that, and Peterson. Um, I've, in my book, The New Earth, we talked about Syria. Keep an eye on Syria with things going on there. Uh, this populist movement, whatever that means, uh, we have people who re- realize they're in politics now, a lot of new uh, younger people, and uh, they're in their mid-30s or so, and they've never really gone through really bad situations politically. Like like in the, in the UK, they haven't gone through the, uh, the IRA issues way back when I was growing up, uh, the things about the Vietnam War when I was growing up. And we have this this idea, and the the intention is that the mindset is that we want change. We want change now. Our way is the right way. Everybody else is wrong. Uh, immigration is a huge uh, problem, and that uh, immigrants should just stay where they are. The immigrants are moving because they're living in really bad situations or circumstances. That's why they're leaving. They're not leaving for economic reasons. They're leaving to, to save themselves. So the, the, the thing in the UK where, where um, uh, we have England wanting to leave the uh, the biggest marketplace in, in Europe and, be, and go it alone, uh, we have America with a, sort of an isolation mentality. They want to go it alone. Uh, we have Canada and Mexico sort of I don't know, dealing with everybody in the world, but we, we in Canada seem to be the best negotiators. We're the only country that deals with the other G7 leaders. So this, this thinking, I can't put my finger on it. I don't understand it. Uh, I see it where, um, there is just this disruption where there's, let, let's, let's tear everything down, but there's no idea on how to build it up. And it's going on all over the world. We go to, you know, into, into, um, 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 I was going to say Singapore. We go into uh, Hong Kong. Um, Hong Kong. Hong Kong. That's where I'm going. Yeah, and it's kind of like this is epidemic. So it can't be a single uh, cause. Like it can't be just people who. who well, how about are, it? How about people that are just? How about when I when we talk about the populist movement? And by and large, I would consider myself a populist. They are they are revolting against, and it could be a left wing, uh, left leaning populist revolt. It could be a right wing populist revolt. They're just tired of the elites and undemocratic institutions. Well, that's I, I'm like when I was growing up. Uh, I'm you know when I was in high school, we had hippies and the flower power children, and we were doing the same. We we're exactly the same. Uh, the situation now is that what's next? Okay, it's it's okay to be discontent, and and I can tell you, I was a bit of a rebel myself. I was not a hippie, but uh, every new generation has that within. What I see now is that there's no after the fact. Okay, and like there are people, and the internet has been something that's amazing. We can uh, get information uh, really fast. 
but the amount of deceit that's out there and the amount of people using deception uh, is far greater than when it was when I was growing up. However, the attitude was there, yeah, we want to make the world a better place. But what I see now is like, uh, and this is not intended to, to offend anybody, but it's like, there's so much anger and frustration. It's like, let's tear everything down. Uh, my heart goes out to the people in uh, Barcelona, uh, in Catalan and the Basque country. Uh, there's been always generational tribal, if you will, discontent. But the Catalanian people want to separate. And then do what? It's just like when I was going up and the FLQ was in Quebec and the Quebec people wanted to, at least the government wanted to separate from Canada. And we kept saying, okay, and then what? So the question is, uh, I can understand the discontent. I can understand that there are elitist people and there are always those people who are a them and us mentality. But in order to get ourselves out of this, in order to have uh, some construction from, again, me going through in my lifetime, a few of these experiences that I recounted, is like, what are we going to do to replace it? Certainly, the Internet has this huge influence that we can do uh, amazing things when we have a mindfulness to cooperate. There's so much anger and hatred that people aren't talking to each other. Uh, our friends to the South, it's like it's a them and us. And I, I talk to my American friends and I say, okay, I'm a Canadian. I don't understand. Um, you're all Americans and you certainly have different philosophies and points of view. But why is there so much hatred? Okay, why is there so much uh, anger? We can pick that up on the other side, but I'll give you a, a, a clue. One side has criminalized differences of opinion. That's uh, where we're at, I think. Anyway, we'll uh, we'll talk some more on the other side. Douglas James Cottrell, Canada's Edgar Casey, the man with X-ray eyes, stays with us right here on The Conspiracy Show. Keeping an eye on the new world order. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free. 1-866-740-4740. And we are back with Douglas James Cottrell. DouglasJamesCottrell.com, the website. Douglas James Cottrell, C-O-T-T-R-E-L-L.com. We were talking about what I call uh, this age of anxiety. Where do you see, do you see this, for, let, we were talking about the United States, and one of the things I'm fearful of is we are, we're in the midst of a culture war. Western Judeo-Christian values pitted up against uh, what is really a, a Marxist dogma. And, and the great concern is, because there is a total collapse of, of uh, a civil discourse, if you're a conservative, you're being bludgeoned by members of Antifa. If you go to the wrong rally, if you have the wrong opinions, you'll be deplatformed. You'll be demonetized. This has happened to me. You'll be kicked off Facebook and Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. At a certain point, all it's going to take is one incendiary device. And this could be, we could see we're in the midst of a non-shooting civil war. Do you see a, an actual shooting civil war breaking out south of the border? Well, I would I would say yes. We are already in that. We have random this phenomena of random shootings 
I never would have believed in my life that Ross, when Ross Peterson predicted that you could be shot uh, going down the street with a bag of groceries in your hand. Uh, he said that back in 1974. I never believed that would be possible. There had to be something. And, and we have these horrific things of, of school shootings. It's something, uh, you know, we're in a shooting war now, only it's not out in the open. Uh, the people who do these things are monsters, but we always have had monsters in our life. Um, recently, there was somebody who went in and, and uh, stabbed a, a three-year-old to death in its crib because he was angry at, at, at the mummy. So we always have monsters uh, around us, and we always have this animal nature. Humans are attempting to become human beings, but right now, you know, the, the pendulum is swinging more towards the animalistic natures of ourselves, and I'm not trying to sound anything other than to be descriptive. So I agree. When I, I had a, a, an American friend up here the other day, and I said, you know, in your country, you have freedom of speech. You can say basically anything you want in the First Amendment. I was trying to compliment him because I was relating to my situation with the, the CRA and the federal government, which is uh, um, not the, well, the CRA government and government influence, which is, is tyrannical and clamping down on us and, and we don't have freedoms as we do south of the border. And the man remarkably said, oh, no, Douglas, you can't save things now. You can lose your job. If you say the wrong thing. Right. And if you I, have the and, wrong and opinion. That, yeah. If you have the wrong opinion, they will come after you. Right. So um, depending on which side you're on, I try not to be on either side. But if you're on the, if you're on the red side uh, and you're talking to somebody on the blue side, uh, they will retaliate. And if you talk to somebody from the blue side to somebody on the red side, they will retaliate. The way out of this is to actually believe the basic values that everybody has the right to an opinion. The only thing is, I would counsel, listen to the other side because there might be a possibility that their opinion might just possibly be a correct one. Not for everybody, but for themselves. And this ability to listen and this ability uh, to live in a country, I remember America is one of the greatest, is the greatest country in the world because it was an invented country. It was invented back in the middle 1700s so that it became what it is today, a society that seeks above all freedom. And they have, again, they have better uh, rules. Uh, they, they have a, they have a type of democracy that I'm just learning about now at my age, it's totally different than what I thought it was. But they have a democracy set up where Americans have the right for the pursuit of happiness and freedom. We don't have that in the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, not there at all. We have only four basic freedoms that are guaranteed in the Charter. So America is an amazing country. And if uh, people were to uh, admire and aspire to have that same mentality of, okay, we have freedom, but that comes with it the responsibility to say, I, my opinion is just as important as your opinion, and I respect your opinion. If that can be maintained, this is the way out of this confrontation of hate and, and anxiety. And I mean, people are rising to the occasion of taking out weapons and killing them, killing other Americans because they don't believe the way they believe. And, and this has always been a problem. This is not just an American problem. This is a problem throughout the world where people 
uh, want to be right. They don't want the other side uh, to, to be right. They want the other side to change to their thinking. And both sides trying to do the same thing, you end up with combat because there are some people who will pick up a club, pick up a gun, pick up a knife to make their point of view. And that is the devil in action. The, the devil is everywhere in the world now. And the more uh, violent people become, the more hateful people become, right. the more they give in. But there's, to no, there's no sign of that civil discourse returning anytime soon. Uh, so what, what I'm, I guess what I'm asking is, do you see an all-out shooting war, civil war? You know, we know who has the guns. It's, it, they're conservative people, they're ex-military people, they're, and they all tend to vote, you know, conservative. They have the guns. So everybody has guns in America. Yeah. But everybody. By and large, they are conservatives. I mean, that, that's just, there's no question about every, it. Every time I meet an American, I always say, so, have you got Betsy with you today? <laughs> <laughs> but do you see a shooting I, war? Had, a shooting war. I've had workshops and people have come armed to my workshops in the past. So, uh, Americans have this, um, well, there's this expectation that they should and they have the right to bear arms. We do not have that right in Canada. And most other uh, countries have disarmed the civilized, their, their civilizations or their, their civil population. But America, they have that right, again, because America is an invented country. And they believe that each and every person has the ultimate right of freedom. Of course. And if of course. the way the way out of this, because no, not a, not every other country in the world has that. We don't have that in Canada. No, they gave Canada it away. They gave it away yeah. to their detriment. Unfortunately, well, the right to defend uh, well, themselves. But do you see a okay, shooting war? We, we just don't a, have that. Yeah. Well, the answer, the answer, Richard, is the way out of this is just to respect one another and say, I don't like the way you look. I don't like the way you think. I don't like the way you believe. I don't like anything about you, but. I respect that you have the same rights that I have and that you will defend my right as I will defend your right, that we have freedom. Mm. And if we can get past that point, then, like all things, we have freedoms, but we have to say it, it's, a, it's something where freedom means negotiating with each other. Might does not make right. And if we can get into that area, which we are, there are groups now, there's there's classes and workshops. I've heard they're getting people together from both sides, and they're kind of talking about it. And they say, okay, you know what? You're just like us. And that's like, is it not like all enemies in the world when you get people sitting down at the table and you find out that they're not the boogeyman, they're the same as you. They just, they just believe differently. That's the way out of this. And here's the answer. Is God watching over all of this? Yes. Is this all happening because it's God's will? No. This is our will. But God will fix the problem. And the way God is going to fix the problem, believe it or not, the earth has a consciousness from my perspective. And the worse we are, the more angry we are, the more violent we are, the earth is responding in kind. It's kind of a sounding board. It's reflecting back the way we are. And my opinion is we need to take care of each other. That means taking care of the refugees. That means taking care of the poor people. It means being taken care of people who are in need. Because what's happening is the earth is going to fix the problem by getting rid of the pestilence, by getting rid of the irritations, like a dog fleeing, uh, shaking its back and Flicking off the fleas. Okay, I've got to take a time out here, uh, Douglas. We'll come back and uh, chat some more. Earth mm. changes, politics, geopolitics, how to become a remote viewer. Douglas James Cottrell stays with us. Corporation. 
governments, and sometimes entire civilizations. What goes up must come down, and it lands on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Uh, Douglas, just remind uh, people about your upcoming remote viewing um, quantum meditation course happening in Texas in January. Right. It's a, it's a development uh, of, of your intuitive abilities and skills. And as you uh, uh, have an interest and aptitude, if you want to know the truth, I mean, the things I say, um, uh, the things I've seen before, somewhat counter to the way I believed. And if you want to get a hold of the information, the truth, what's out there in the spiritual world, as I just said a moment ago, the earth has a consciousness and we're part of it. When we live in harmony with the world, uh, we do better. And that's what we are here to learn is how to get along with each other. And that's the number one karmic thing is how to learn how to get along with each other. The course in Texas will, uh, help people understand how to develop all of the, uh, intuitive abil- abilities or skills, especially if they have been to the silver mind control or they've taken other, other courses and, and people like, uh, Rosicrucian material and, and different aspects. Uh, they're going to be, um, it'll be explained from my perspective, but basically everybody's talking about the truth. And the fact is that it's how you perceive the truth, but the remote viewing course is how to get into your mind so that you can perceive things just like you did with seeing that airplane. When you want to know who's lying or who's telling the truth, you can see it. Sometimes clients ask me if somebody's sneaking money out of the till and I can see them reaching in the till or not. You can see or perceive the truth about the future, what's going to happen, so that you can make good decisions today to be in harmony with what's going to happen. But the course is how to train yourself to go into that spiritual quiet zone and be able to use your clairvoyant abilities to look forward. We talk about telepathy. We do a lot about dream interpretation, visions, and other things that go bump in the night. We talk about what it's like on the other side in the different dimensions, especially how to access the Akashic Records. And wouldn't it be great if you wanted to know how something was going to turn out or where there was a safe place to live or what was a good thing to invest in or what were the markets going to do or is your house the best time to sell it now or next year? Or if you're in some uh, some position and you say, you know what, I'd really like to do something better in my life. What am I suited for? The idea is you're working with your high self or soul mind. And this is, of course, to get in touch with the spiritual aspects of yourself so that you can become a better human being by understanding that the low self, the physical self, and the high self, the spiritual self, are the one and the same. But learning how to interact with them, you'll have better health, better wealth, and you'll get along with people. And hopefully you won't be so angry, but you'll be able to understand what's going on, but from a perspective of knowing. Anyway, the development is to meditate, to learn how to develop the energy fields around you. We talk about chakras and auras and how to read auras. We talk a little bit about dowsing. We talk about all the spiritual gifts or abilities that anyone has, and I can demonstrate them, and I do, and I explain them fuller so that I can help my students overcome the one most difficult, devastating thing, and that is self-doubt. We draw a line on the floor, Richard, and we say, okay, when you come through the doorway, there's the line on the floor. Doubt stops here. And and when you go on the other side, you know, I want you just to tell me what you see, not what you think, not what your opinion is. Tell me what you see. And the things I've seen 
horrific and amazing. I have uh, I've been to the highest of high. I've had experiences that are uh, usual but unusual. I've had biblical experiences. I've been in in positions which have helped me understand that at the end of my life, I won't be alone in the dark and gone forever, that there is something after, and I'll know where to go when I get there. I'll know the way to heaven. All right. Give us the particulars uh, again for the course. How do they sign up, and when is it, and where? Well, they can sign up by contacting um, my assistant, Sophia, at douglasjamescottrell.com. They can call uh, 519-471-1110 in the 519 area code, 471-1110. They can send an email, info at douglasjamescottrell.com. But just go to the website, and um, it's all there, all the things that are going to be there, uh, what you will see or learn or experience. But most importantly, everybody that comes to the course always has some personal something going on in their life, and that usually gets resolved. And if you have a mind to want to be like Edgar Casey or Paul Solomon or a remote viewer or a lot like Richard Serrett being able to see things at a distance, <laughs> you just uh, click on douglasjamescottrell.com. I'm all over the place on the Internet if you Google my name. And the dates uh, again, uh, Douglas. We need the dates and, and the location. Okay. It's the middle of January to the end, January 17th to the 25th. You arrive on the 16th and you leave on the 25th. Uh, we have uh, meals are included at the hotel. You have breakfast. We have lunch and uh, dinner or supper, depending, uh, covered as well. And uh, transportation back and forth from the airport can be arranged. And hotels, about, you know, it's a 25% discount. Jan 17th to the 25th, 2020 in Fort Worth, Texas, douglasjamescottrell.com for more information. Back for one final segment with the man with x-ray eyes. The world is being pulled over your eyes. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. To reach Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Douglas, the last segment, you alluded to the Akashic Record. And, of course, you've written a book called Conversations uh, with the Akashic Record, or In the Akashic Field, I think is the, the title. Explain briefly, if you could, what the Akashic Record is. Where is it? What does it look like? How do we tap into it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, over the last 40-something years, I have uh, studied many um philosophies, and I have uh, mentors, Reverend Alec Holmes, uh, Ross Peterson, Edgar Casey, by virtue of his books, and uh, my pattern or life is the same as his. So we've come to this conclusion that somewhere out there, when you close your eyes or when you're thinking, there are thoughts that manifest, they come, and then they go. Intuition is the same. Creative ability is the same. It, it spontaneously arrives, and then it goes. So dreams are another way of understanding that. So where does it come from, and where does it go? Uh, in my course, I talk about all the abilities, telepathy, clairvoyance, clairaudience, spiritual healing, visiting higher dimensions, uh, the knowledge of intuitive skills, and finding out who you are and where you've been, past life stuff, and future 
uh, advancement, you know, and being given an insight between the differences between your human mind and your spiritual mind or the rational mind and, and the contemplative mind. So it's quite intensive in understanding uh, those things that are around us that we go through every day. But to to answer the question, the Akashic Records are a place out there where all the minds are connected, all the minds that are spiritual minds and a soul that comes into a body in the comes from the pre-existence lives the life and then returns to the post-existence and the magic is to understand that the pre-existence and the post-existence are the same place and that the akashic or the heavens and dimensions above are well let's call it on an ascending scale like jacob's ladder every dimension is one step up the ladder and the more aware and the more divine or spiritual become, the higher you can go up, because the higher you love and love unconditionally, the higher the dimension it goes. The lower you are, if you're more in the animalistic and the, you know, the, the violent and unloving uh, dimensions, then the lower you go. So there's this up and down um, steps or dimensions. And the Akashic is that, that library in the, in the celestial uh, dimension where all knowledge is kept. All your thoughts, all your intentions, all the consequences, or sorry, all the, the, um, uh, the consequences to the actions you've taken are recorded. And you as a spiritual being can go and visit this celestial library and sort of determine by looking back in your, in your memos what you did in some past lives and, what you need to learn to get to those higher steps, you can go there and you can study and determine when you come back into the world what your your race is going to be, what your, your family is going to be, the environment you're going to be brought up in, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the Akashic is that storehouse of knowledge. While you're here in the world, you're able to sort of take a day trip through meditation and go back and and go to that book that has that information that you're seeking that invention, that decision you have to make, that guidance, that wisdom that you need, or that truth or that understanding of why things are the way they are. This is a place where the Akashic field or record where all knowledge is stored. And what I'm attempting to do is to say that your intuitive abilities or skills, your quote-unquote spiritual abilities, which are listed in the book of Corinthians, they're all there, is to attempt to show you that you have this ability to come down in the world, which is where we are now in, in kind of like this workshop, this uh, kidney garden where we're experimenting with finger painting and we're, we're attempting to find out all the things that we're attempting to find out. But in the Akashic, the knowledge is there. And so if you want to understand some wisdom, you want to find a solution, then you go there. And you can find out who and what you can do. The world is always about you, not about them. And in the Akashic, remember, you came into the world as a baby and you're going to leave as an adult. And you came alone and you're leaving alone. And you're going to be welcomed back into the post-existence, which again was the pre-existence, which is your true life, your true spirit experiences up there, not here. This is the temporary one. And that's why it makes uh, um, makes me, after seeing all the things I've gone through in my life, uh, you know, 
being the hippies, the uh, the Vietnam War stuff, the IRS confrontations, the tragedies in, in faraway places. It, it kind of makes it uh, irrelevant when you look at this life is but one breath in the life of the soul, and the soul lives forever. So there's no need to be in a hurry. The biggest thing is how to learn how to get along with each other. So you need guidance or mentoring or information. This is where the Akashic field uh, comes in handy, where you're in that, that realm of knowledge where you want to know something, and you can be given it, and it will be the truth. So does that mean that, uh, let's say, for example, uh, someone who is clairvoyant or someone who's psychic, uh, when are they actually reading the other person's mind, or are they accessing that person's personal file in the Akashic Record? Well, that's many different things that you've just, uh, in that sentence, have, have indicated. Uh, telepathy is reading somebody's mind and being able to pick up things from people uh, intuitively, from premonition or precognition. Those are all levels of awareness. But the Akashic Record is when you want to find out about yourself in particular. There's no problem. You have free will and free choice. If you want to intrude on somebody else's welfare and find out about them, sort of snoop around, you can get a little information if you're entitled to it. If you're a mummy trying to find out about your, your child, what your child's going to be um, in the future, how would the best education go, what can you provide for the child to get his best life, that's allowed. But basically spying on people from that level is not allowed. There are some sort of rules up there. Uh, but at the same time, you can be given information about somebody like, uh, if I go to work for this company, uh, that supervisor, Bill or Mary, will they be a good boss I work for, or how can I serve them? Uh, will they help me in my career? Or, oh my God, they're a bully. I'm not going to go there. Uh, I see some personality conflicts, so I won't even start the job. You can get information that way. But you can't basically intrude on somebody and manipulate them. Although the dark side does exist. What about an inventor? Are they accessing the Akashic Record and looking into the future? Because many inventors have sort of credited these their inspiration or their source uh, for, of knowledge for their invention from coming from someplace else. Well, I'm, a, I'm the same. I have patents and I have new ideas. Uh, my friend and I are starting a, a, a pizza company. I'm investing in Pizza Del Campo in, in Texas, pizzadelcampo.com, and it's just about to open. And many of the um, decisions and the menu and, and the procedures have all been given to us by dreams or visions, and we are proceeding with patented uh, products. We're, you know, we're coming up with a new uh, fast food uh, product that will be patented. So the idea is that if you want to look at it, that there is nothing that is invented. It's more like it's been remembered in the Akashic, and people who have invented things um, have credited dreams uh, or revelations during sleep or visions. And uh, you can go to, um, well, many of the more famous people from uh, uh, Edison, who had a dream about a bear standing up with uh, to, uh, uh, with the sun between its paws. Well, that was basically a light bulb with the two sides with the, with the bare wire, the bare wire, uh, that was illuminated. And, uh, you can go to, uh, Edison and, and all kinds of people who, who will eventually, well, if you read their biographies, who eventually got around to the intuitive 
uh, side being providing information. Uh, Edison, uh, Einstein, I should say, would meditate when he would have a dream. And I think that's how he came up with uh, his famous formula. Well, so uh, if we want to learn how to tap into the Akashic Record, is that something you're also covering? That is the main thing and how to do that. When you get into okay. the Akashic field or record, uh, as again, you want to find out the truth about your, your political leader, your um, uh, your country, where to go, whatever, whatever's of benefit to you. The information okay. is there. It's like going to the library and researching it. That's happening Jan 17th to the 25th, Fort Worth, uh, Texas. And more information at DouglasJamesCottrell.com. Douglas, thank you so much. We'll talk again soon, I hope. It's always a pleasure. I I really, truly enjoy your your shows, Richard. You're an amazing guy. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. And uh, back next week with a brand new program, James Eugenio, JFK assassination researcher. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper... Proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.